So if you have a Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, there are some on the back uh, there in the sound booth. We'd love for you to grab one and follow along with us. We're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 3 and 4 today. Uh, I, because we're looking at such a big section of Scripture, we're just going to read a little bit and then kind of walk through the story together. Uh, but as you're turning to Joshua chapter 3, um, I'd like to ask you, what makes a house a home? Think in your mind, what makes a house a home? Is it, um, is it furniture? Uh, is it uh, your color scheme on the, on the walls? Is it um, a mattress not sitting on the floor anymore and actually on a box spring or actually on a frame? Uh, what makes a house a home? For me, um, I remember when I was in college, uh, we had these dorm rooms that had like a living room area and then four very, very small bedrooms. And, you know, this is where I lived for most of my uh, life in college is in this place. And for some reason, uh, our shared living space, which, was, you know, most people call the living room, uh, most people, people when they picture home, they, that's what they think of as their living room. It didn't feel like a, a home to me. It was just a place where we hung out and watched TV and ate too much and that kind of stuff. Uh, but in my little bitty room that we had that was the width of a twin bed, um, my little cubby, that's where I felt at home when I was at college. And I was wondering why that was. I began to think, and uh, I truly believe the reason it felt like home is because I had pictures. Uh, I had pictures on the wall, pictures not just like the stock photo that comes in the frame, you know. Uh, I did have a couple of those just because I'm like, hey, these people look cool. I can make up a story about them. But I have pictures of myself and my family and my friends. Uh, and, and for me, this is what makes um, a home, makes a house a home is you have your photos displayed in your living room. And for some, um, those photos are not because you don't remember what you look like. Some it might be. Um, uh, it's not because you don't remember what you look like. It's, it's a thing for you to have on display to remember. Remember your family, because there's many individuals sitting in this room who their kids aren't at home anymore, right? Their kids are maybe off at college or in adulthood, and they have their own lives, and they're no longer at home, but you have this family picture. Why? It's not because you forgot they were your kids, and you have to remind yourself every day. No, it's to remember it's to remember, it's these memories that you look at this photo and you, it brings back these memories that you have and that you cherish with your family, right? It, you look at them and, and, and people come into your house and they look at them and they're like, oh, hey, what's this picture of you and your wife at the beach? And then I get to go uh, on and I get to talk about uh, our honeymoon and how we got to uh, go to this black sand beach and, on Maui. And it was beautiful and the picture doesn't do it justice. But it, we begin to tell these stories of what's going on in our family and what's going on in our lives. These pictures are really these memorials Right? We have these photos on the wall, uh, and people look at them, and we get to tell the story of what's going on in our lives. And for some, it's a very active story. It's, hey, this is what's happening right now. This is you know, the first day of school picture of you know, a baby Trev. And, um, and, or it could be, this is my kids' 12 first day of school pictures, and now they're an adult, but we still love remembering when he was, you know, little and chunky, and now he's tall and skinny, or uh, uh, we remember when we did these, 
these pictures are memorials. These are memories. And this is what this passage is for the people of Israel, is, is this story of God doing something amazing in their lives. And then God telling them, remember this moment. Remember this moment. And so let's look at chapter 3, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. If you have one of those hardback Bibles back there, we're on page 190, or 179, if that helps you get there. Uh, we're only going to look at a few verses because we're just going to look at the story, but it says this in chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim, and they came to the Jordan, this river, and he and all the people of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. So I want us to think about these, this, this story of Israel going into the promised land, right? They, they come to the brink of this river. They have to cross over this river, Jordan, into, in order to get into the promised land. And uh, the Bible tells us that, it's, uh, that they sit there um, and they, they camp out for three days looking at this massive river and this massive amount of people and there was no way that they were just going to get across. There's no bridge there's no shallow point. I would imagine that they're there for three days. There's, uh, there's young little boys that um, it's their purpose to go off and, and find adventure. And so they walk off down the riverbanks trying to look for the best place for the Israelites to cross over the Jordan River. And so they have their sticks and they're running around and trying to find this place. And they come back home. They come back to camp and they're like, this river is massive. We can't find a place that we can all get over. This, it's too wide and it's too deep. The current is too strong. We can't do it. And God has his people camp out there for three days. Why three days? Because he could have done it right then, right? Uh, but sometimes, sometimes if God moves something immediately out of our way, we don't understand the gravity of it. And so he has us sit there, staring at it. Man, it's a big river. There's a lot of us here. We're going to need a miracle. The longer we sit there, the more we fully rely on God. And so he, they, they sit there for three days to let this feet set in. And then, and then the whole nation, the whole nation is leaving. It's not just a few people. Hey, we're going to go ahead of you guys, make sure everything's great. No, the whole nation's millions of people coming in, crossing this river. It's people. It's all their animals. It's all of their stuff. And they're, they have, the only way is to cross the Jordan. The only way to get across is, is the Jordan. So it's this whole nation moving uh, across, and there doesn't seem to be a way to pass the river. Um, uh, but, but here's the deal. When God tells us uh, to go, you go. When he tells you to go, you go, and you let him figure out the impossible. So often we want to overanalyze the situation. We want to try to figure out how the, or, uh, the steps in order to do this, and we're trying to play God. But you know what God wants us to do? Be ourselves and let him be God. And so he has them. And they're sitting, they're looking at this river. The whole nation has to cross over it. And he says, let me figure out the impossible. So often we look at something 
And the things that we don't know are going to happen in the future, in these next few steps, in the next few days, cripples us from going on this journey with God, this amazing journey. Church, don't let what you don't know, don't let what you don't know cripple what you do know. So often, the, the feat, the, the impossible scares us. Never give up what you do know for what you don't know. This is, this is what the people of Israel had in front of them, a massive river. And so uh, Joshua tells them, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Be, because God is a big God and he has our best interests and he knows what's going on, um, we're going to have some priests they're going to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is, uh, is this, uh, this very holy, sacred um, element that represents the very presence of God, right? There's stories throughout the Bible of, uh, of people touching the Ark of the Covenant and literally dropping dead because of the holiness of God and our sinfulness. And so Joshua tells his people, hey, um, uh, you're going to know that this is from God, because we are going to follow the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is going to lead us through the Jordan River. And he says, but don't get too close. You need to stay about a, a half of a mile behind the Ark of the Covenant. Why? Why doesn't he want us just to get up? Like, a, like when you go to a concert, uh, people try to get up to the close, as close as they can to the stage so they can see like the sweat coming off of their you know, their performer's head, which is disgusting, right? Or smell their breath or whatever, right? No, no. but the best view, the best perspective is, is, is a little bit farther back. When I go to a concert, I like to sit right in front of the sound man because that's, that's going to sound the best in the entire room, right in front of the sound man. You can see everything. And so God wanted his people to have some distance between the ark and, and themselves, not, not because uh, he needed to do something in, in between this distance, but so that they could see this marvelous feat. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of Israelites, and this river is massive. And so if they're all crowded up on the ark, most of the people won't be able to see the ark and this, uh, this miracle happening so they, he scoots everyone back, and he lets them see this miracle happening in front of their very eyes. And so these priests uh, are, are, are about to take the ark out, and so um, uh, Joshua looks at all of Israel, and he tells, he tells them to consecrate themselves. Uh, go before the Lord and get right with God, because he knew this was going to be a holy moment. He knew this was going to be a sacred moment. And if we enter into the presence of God, enter into these holy moments with sin in our own lives, we do not get to see and experience the fullness of who God is. So he tells the people of Israel, consecrate yourself. Get right with the Lord. We're about to see something amazing. We're about to enter into the land that was promised to us when we were slaves in Egypt. And so the priests start coming through camp, carrying this ark. But imagine they're going at a pretty slow pace and everyone's packing their stuff. It's, it's go time, it's go time. They're packing all their stuff up. Thousands and thousands of people are coming. They're a half mile behind 
uh, the priests, and the priests are walking up to the River Jordan. It's this massive river, right? And they go down, and they go down uh, onto the banks of the river, and they get to the very edge of the river, and they look, and there's water still in the river. Oh. Well, you said in verse 13 of chapter 3, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all earth shall rest on the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down uh, from above shall stand up in one heap. God, you said that this water was going to be gone when we get down here and now the water's here. Uh, we've made this whole journey. You're kind of making me look bad. I told all my friends that this was going to happen, and I'm standing before uh, the brink of this miracle, and nothing's happening, God. What's the deal? You can imagine what's going through their head, and maybe they look back at, at Joshua. One of those, like, I don't know what to do, and Joshua gives them a little nod. You know what to do. Take a step, step of faith. So they pick their foot up. God, you're going to have to do something amazing. They take this first step. And all of a sudden, the water begins to dry up. And this massive heap of water goes up next to them. And the people of Israel are able to go across the River Jordan. But so, so often in our own lives, we, we take this journey with God uh, and we, we get to the brink and there, there's water in the river and we turn back too early. We don't have, we have 95% of the faith to do the journey, but that last 5%, we, we don't take that final step. We're scared. What, what, what if God doesn't come through with what he said he was going to do? It's that last 5% that's, the most difficult for us. That final step, that last 5% of the journey is what separates faith from failure. All of the Israelites are standing behind them. If the water doesn't part, they're not making it to the promised land. Those water is supposed to be gone. The priests look down and they trust that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And they take the step. The water's gone. It parts. It's a miracle. And all of the people of Israel cross the river safely. And they don't have to run. They're able to walk across on dry ground, the Bible tells us. They walk across on dry ground. Uh, the story uh, kind of continues to go into chapter 4, but it's, it's a unique picture because chapter 4 almost retells what's happening in chapter 3 from a different perspective. Because early on in this process, the Bible tells us that uh, the Lord told uh, Joshua to, to find 12 people, one from each tribe, and identify them and, and, and pull them apart. And, and, and so what, Bible, what the Bible tells us in chapter 4 is as they're going across, as they're going, uh, across the river, he looks at these 12 
people from the 12 tribes, and he tells them to grab 12 stones, one for each tribe. And they're not these like little skipping rocks that you find on the banks of the river. These are massive, boulder, man-sized rocks, right? And they, they, they pick them up, you know, lifting with your legs, not your back, so they don't have to pull a worker's comp or anything like that. And they lift them up, put them on their shoulders, and each tribe is represented so that all of Israel gets to play a part of that. And remember that the ark is is far enough ahead of them that everyone is seeing this amazing feat, this miracle of God, that the the waters are parted, that there's there's no atheists in that moment, right? When you're standing next to a giant heap of water that's only being held up by God, there's not someone standing there in front of it saying, I don't believe in God. So there's this holy moment, and these people, they, the, the, these men from each tribe grab these stones from where the priests were standing. They put them on their shoulders and begin to walk. They begin to walk and exit, and everyone uh, is included, and they finish. Uh, everyone gets through the river, and the waters, they go back to where they were. They go to Gilgal. And they set up these 12 stones, this monument. He says that this is going to be a sign. This is what he says. This is a sign that when your children ask you what these stones are about, you can tell them how the people of Israel, they they left Egypt with the miracle of waters being parted. And then they entered into the promised land on dry ground. This is a sign for you to tell the people, your, the generations to come, of God's faithfulness to you. That God is a powerful and mighty God, and so that all might fear Him. These stones, so that all might fear Him. And they will trust that God is Lord over all. These stones are a memorial to look back on what God has done, but also to look forward as to how we should live. Why? No one's going to forget that moment. No one that was standing looking up at the heap of water is going to forget that moment. But our memories, they tend to fade, don't they? And as generations, stories get passed on from generations to generation, people tend to forget. Six months, six years later, maybe, they, maybe they're going to look back on that story and think, hey, remember that really cool time when you know, there was this uh, weird washout uh, and the waters kind of got stopped and we walked across the river? It was a really small river, though. I think, it, I mean, it wasn't a big deal, Right? People's memories, they fade, and so that's why God gives us these memorials. Hey, remember this. Remember my faithfulness. And this is what I want us to look at today. Twelve stones. What What are your twelve stones? What are your twelve stones? Because they're here to keep us from forgetting. Israel, remember, they were enslaved to this tyrant Pharaoh. And then God freed them. And they were in the desert wondering, what did they begin to do? They weren't saying, oh, 
God, it's so great. Thank you, Jesus. I love being free. Now what they're saying. Oh, it's hot out here. Where's the air condition? Come on, God, can't you get us a, wind, a little wind? I'm hungry. I don't like the food we're eating. Begin to complain. Begin to forget about all the things that God has done. Oh, yeah, manna, that's not a big deal. It's just this stuff. Like It becomes, becomes second nature to them. They're not, it's, it's no longer a, a, a miracle. It's just manna. Yeah, it's just manna. Do you remember when you're in college, adults? I, we had college kids at our house this week. They're hilarious. Everything we made them was the best thing they ever ate. And I was like, nah, that's cool. Nah, I don't believe you. That's part of your training. Um, but this one kid, his name's Tyler, he cracked me up. He goes, I was like, hey, um, we're going to have burgers tomorrow night, but would you guys be up for having burgers tonight? He goes, dude. I had Chick-fil-A and ramen five days in a row last semester. I think two, two days in a row of eating hamburgers, I'll be all right. And I'm like, and we're so quick to forget, like when you would look forward to eating the 10 cent ramen because that's all you had to eat in college because you were broke. And we start complaining like, oh, this $5 coffee isn't very good. Is that not the same thing? Oh, manna from heaven. Thank you so much, God. Oh, it's kind of burnt today. We forget. But that's why we need memorials. We need these things to help us, to remind us, to point our eyes towards this is from God. This has nothing to do with me. There is no way we were getting over the river. It was God and God alone. So, so, so we put these memorials up in our lives so that it's not we're, we're, we're slaves or we're wondering. No, we're free. And, and when God has provided from us, it's this perspective. When we see God in it, it gives us perspective. So often when we're in the midst of this trial, it's difficult to have perspective. So we have memorials in our lives to trust that God is doing what's best for us. These 12 stones are to make sure that God continues to receive the glory because we have a, 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 uh, a likelihood to try to steal that glory from God. Oh, I found this manna. Oh, I found a good way to get across the river. Or, oh, yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. We forget. How many of you guys have like a prayer journal where you write down your prayers? And you, uh, These are good things to have. Um, those of you that write, those, write your prayers down, man, going back six months even, uh, going back six years, begin to look at the things that you prayed for and how you forgot about those things that you're praying for because God has provided for them and now they're just second nature. Eh, just, just, man, just... I was so needing God to come through here, and now I don't even remember worrying about that. These, these things, these, these uh, times that God has come through and he's been faithful to us, and, and, and these miracles that, that have happened in our own lives, we need to be reminded of those because we're prone to wander, right? We're prone to forget. We're prone to take credit that's not ours. So you look back, you look at these memorials, and you say, I'm going to remember 
what God has done. I'm going to remember God's faithfulness. I'm going to remember how he's come through time and time again. And I'm going to remember how he didn't answer my prayer, and I'm so glad that he didn't answer that prayer because that was dumb, right? If that would have come through, like my whole life would have been different. I know there's guys in this room that are like, man, I'm so glad I prayed that God would let me marry that girl and that she's crazy. I'm glad I didn't. Like, you can't fix crazy. You remember what God has done. He's done so many great things. There are miracles, literally miracles, sitting in this room today. Miracles. And we forget. There's so many miracles down that hallway. How often do we forget? Oh, it's just, it's just, uh, you know, it's just another thing. It's just, it's normal now. It's just normal now. No, no, no. We have these memorials so that we don't forget. Sometimes we get just so busy, we forget. Don't lie, let your life get so busy that you forget of what God has done to get you to this point. There's miracles. We bring these memorials in our lives, not to worship them, but to point us towards the one who brought these miracles into our lives. So my question to you is, where are your 12 stones? Because uh, the Israelites, they resurrected this monument, these 12 massive stones. And the Bible told us, tells us it's to remind them of what God has done, but it's also so that we can tell the next generation of what God has done. We can't just assume they'll remember. We can't just assume that they're going to inherit the faith that we have. No, no, no. We have to tell them the stories of God. So where are your 12 stones at? Like we, I... I, don't, I haven't been to anybody's house that has like a 12, 12 stone monument in the backyard. They're like, oh yeah, we go out there every once in a while and just think, man, God's good. But some of us, you have some monuments that you just have in the closet or they're buried behind a bunch of other stuff because you just forgot about them. And why don't we pull these prayer journals, these old, like, just busted up, look like they might need to get tested by uh, some sort of uh, scientist, like, put them on the, on the table. And your kids come over, your grandkids come over, your kids look at it, your friends come over. Hey, what is that? Huh. These are my 12 stones. It looks like a book. No. <clears throat> These, this is what helps me to remember what God has done in my life time and time again, how he's been faithful, even though I'm prone to wander. Even though I haven't always been faithful, this is what reminds me to be faithful. We have these things. Maybe it's a book. Maybe it's a bullet. I don't know. It could be a picture. Something that you display in your cubicle, in your office, in your, in your home, in your car. I don't, these things that point towards Jesus and say, hey, if it wasn't for Jesus, this wouldn't happen. I wouldn't have this kid. I wouldn't have this life. I wouldn't have this job. I wouldn't have this house. If it wasn't for Jesus, I would have nothing. Where, where are your 12 stones at? 
Man, we're, we're, so, we're, we're so good at like grabbing these things, these mementos when we're on vacation. Oh, I got to get a golf ball from Disney, all right? So I can put it on my little shelf, get a magnet, a deck of cards. Man, but, but how fast are we to think of, man, this is a holy moment. How can I help remember this forever? How can I use something here, a stone, a stick to help me tell God's story to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation so that all of my people will know why I follow Jesus. Not just wonder, what's that weird thing on the coffee table? What are your 12 stones and where are they at? Uh, We place them somewhere so that we can see them And we can see them often for our sake, but also for those that are around us. I picture this. You have something on your coffee table, whatever it is for you. You Invite your neighbors over for dinner, play some cards, whatever. You're hanging out. Hey, what's that? Uh, Let me tell you. I'm glad you asked. I planted that there, but I'm glad you asked. You begin to tell them about how your life was headed off uh, the wrong direction. Begin to tell them about how you have been praying for years and years and years for this child. You begin to tell them about how your life was literally dangling by a thread. And Jesus came and rescued you. Jesus came through in a way that you would never have imagined. Begin to tell them these stories of God's faithfulness. This is not a bait and switch, but this is what people need to hear that are longing for something bigger than themselves. These memorials, these 12 stones are are for us, but they're also so that we can tell God's story to, to the people that we come in contact with. Yeah, we almost lost her, but he was faithful. Or how about this? We did lose her, but he's been faithful. We did. It didn't come through the way we wanted it to, but he's still been faithful. And that's why we have this in our house so that we can tell the story of God to so many more people. Don't let it be underneath your entertainment center. Don't let it be upstairs, uh, filed away in the closet. Put it out on display so that people can see the miracles that have happened in your life. And one of the biggest miracles that has happened in anyone's life is literally us being enslaved to sin and God coming and breaking us free. The us willingly fighting for the enemy of God and God coming, sending his own son to rescue us. That we were once slaves, but now we're free. But 
But it's bigger than that. Like, like the story just doesn't end with, hey, I was once a slave and now I'm free. Awesome, go me. No, God is so much better than you could ever imagine. You were a slave fighting for the enemy, the, the powers of this world, literally against God. And he sends his own son to rescue you not because of anything you did, because of how good he is. He sends his own son to rescue you, to bring you freedom from the bondage of slavery and sin. But he doesn't leave it as, at that. You're not just free people that once were slaves. You're, you're a free person that's now adopted into the kingdom of God. You are sons and daughters of the king of all kings. You were once a slave. You're not just free, but you're a son and you're a daughter of Jesus. Some of the best memorial stones that we can have in our lives, that we can display for people to see, is broken chains. Hey, I used to be addicted to this, but I have freedom now. Yeah, I'm ashamed of the person that I was, but you know what? I am now a son of God. I am royalty, and therefore I act like royalty. That's why I live different than you. Not because I think I'm better than you, because I'm a son of God almighty. My chains have been broken, not because of something I did. I tried a long time to break those chains, but he broke those chains for me. Some of the best memorial stones that we can have in our lives are displaying for everyone to see the chains of sin and shame that have been broken in our lives. And so today, you might be sitting there thinking, hey, you know, uh, these, you know, this memorial stuff sounds really great, and uh, these chains, I completely understand that. I've never felt freedom from the bondage of slavery, the, the stuff that I'm addicted to, the things that I do. Like, I've never felt that freedom that you're talking about. I'd love to have a conversation with you. I'd love for you to come to the back here in a few minutes and talk to me about what it looks like to become a Christian because it's super easy. There's nothing you have to do because God has already done it. But maybe, maybe you're sitting there saying, hey, Kyle, I've, I've felt that freedom of the slave, uh, the bondage and slavery, but you know what happened? Is I returned back to my captor. I got free and I was free indeed. But then something happened. I took my eyes off of, uh, of this memorial that he's done in my life, and I've turned back to my, to my slavery and the, and the chains that, that I was bound to, and I freely went into this slavery. And I need some help. I need to get back out of this bondage that, God, that, that, that I have put myself in. I'd love to tell you that all you have to do is turn away from that life and turn to God because he hasn't gone anywhere. You turned away from him, but he didn't turn away from you. No matter what you've done, he is still there, ready and willing to embrace you, full arm, ugly crying. Turn away, turn to God and receive this freedom. And I would encourage you and once you receive this freedom, make sure that you don't take your eyes off of this 
memorial stone, these 12 stones, so that you don't turn back to the slavery that you once lived in. I'm going to pray for us, and the band's going to come and continue leading us in worship.